Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Mel McLaughlin. Welcome to No Turning Back, the Tokyo 2020 podcast. It's been a long five-year wait, but... The Tokyo Olympic and Paralympic Games are finally happening and there is no turning back now. In this series, I'll be meeting some of the athletes going for gold in Tokyo and sharing their stories. Graham Arnold, welcome. Thanks so much for having a chat to us uh, at this very busy time. It's great to talk to you on a personal level, Arnie, old friend, um, and very exciting times. Can you believe after everything everyone's been through that you guys are finally in Japan? No, look, it's, uh, it's been a long journey to get here. With uh, Obviously, we qualified in you know, January 2020, and <clears throat> we expected to come uh, to Tokyo you know, July last year, but uh, it's been a long wait, but... Uh, it's been marvellous, Mel. We've got here today. We've we've got our Olympic gear. I'm wearing it very proudly. The Olympic gear. We've got our gear, and uh, it's su- it's such an honour to put the outfit on. Yeah, as you would know firsthand. I was going to get to that later, but now that you've touched on that, um, you're obviously an Olympian yourself, which is in elite company. How excited are you to be back, uh, obviously in a coaching capacity, but at the Olympics, given you've been there before and you know exactly what it means for on both sides. Yeah, look, Mel. It's uh, for me. It's on the sporting side of things. It's it's up there with the World Cup. You know, uh, for a Socceroo to go to a World Cup, this is for me the World Cup for an under twenty three age group, and uh, for them to come to the Olympics and you see so many great uh, Olympic athletes while you're here, and and you see the other special events, and uh, it's it's a real privilege to be an Olympian, and you know. As I said to the boys uh, today, there's only 472 people in Australia wearing this outfit today <clears throat> or getting this outfit. And uh, it's a very, very special moment for everyone in their life. And do you get the impression, obviously, this Olympics will look very different to one that anyone's experienced before. I kind of feel like these Olympics obviously are so important in a sporting sense and, you know, in the context of just the Olympics on its own, but also um on a global scale for a much bigger reason than what it normally is? Yeah, look, I think uh, if you look at a way for the world to reconnect with sport, I think uh, the Olympics is a great way for that to happen. If you look just uh, uh, over the last few days, you've been able to watch the Wimbledon uh, Wimbledon final, the women's, how great is that with Ash Barty winning uh, the women's Wimbledon uh, tennis tournament and then you look at the Euros with what uh, that's done for the European fans and 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 you know families uh, that uh, have really got behind that sport. So for the Olympics, a worldwide sport that uh, there's countries from everywhere that will be here. I think it's a great way to reconnect the world. 
Yeah, and um, obviously we've seen some football leagues around the world slowly get back on their feet and, and get going in different capacities, I guess, in terms of fans or no fans or bubbles or, you know, however it's been. How was it for you personally to see something like the Euros? Obviously, we love football so much, but a major tournament, get played, you know, fans everywhere and just to see some normality back. Yeah, look, uh, that's fantastic. You know, you sit here and you're watching it on TV and you get jealous and, <laughs> and of, you know, looking and watching Wimbledon and seeing all those people, all those fans without masks and uh, non-social distancing, sitting there watching and supporting the great game of tennis, <clears throat> but also the Euros, watching all the fans come back. And, and it, it, it's just so important in people's lives for the fans that... Uh, you know, it's something to fill their weekend, something to talk about, something to celebrate. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's no doubt it's great to have, uh, you know, obviously the fans back. With this series of podcasts, we sort of like to ask, some, pe- some of the athletes hadn't been on the ground yet, some were already there. What has your experience been like so far in terms of, I guess, the flight over, the landing at the airport and then, you know, going into the bubble that you're in now? Yeah, look, it's uh, it takes a little bit longer, but that's that's to be expected because you know you've got to get tested at the airport and they've got to be make sure you know that everyone is is safe. But uh, you know the Japanese people that uh, where where we are in this hotel in Ichihara have been fantastic, very welcoming. Uh, they're very <coughs> helpful in in every aspect uh, to obviously follow the government's restrictions and and policies, but also to make sure that we're staying safe. So. You know, on that side of it, yes, it definitely will be a, a different Olympics, but uh, one I'm sure that, uh, as I said, will potentially reconnect the world with world sport. Yeah, let's hope so. Now, you've been away from home for a while now because you've had two um, pretty major jobs, of course, the Socceroos and, and guiding us through to qualification at the World Cup in Qatar next year. So far, so good. So congratulations on that to date. For the Oli Roos and the Olympic Games. How excited are you that the Oli Roos are back at an Olympic Games? Because it's been a long time since we've seen Australian men represented there. Yeah, look, it's uh, since 2008, Mel, that, uh, since we've been to an Olympics. And for me, it's such a, a, a crucial age group and uh, a crucial tournament for the kids because, you know, you, everyone wants to talk about, you know, the golden generation from years ago. Well, those, those players went through an Olympic tournament, under-23 tournament, and it really puts you on the world stage and gives you an opportunity in life that uh, to really fulfil your dreams and further your career. So, <clears throat> you know, it's an important part for us with football. I do believe that the strength of the Socceroos is the Oli Roos because we need depth, we need talent coming through. Without that, then uh, obviously once players retire from the Socceroos, there's no one to replace them. So. That's why I decided to do this job right from the start. You know, when I first came in, it's, <clears throat> it's not in my contract to do this job. I'm, I'm doing it as a volunteer, and, uh, but it's something that I'm really enjoying doing because uh, I'm just here to try and, uh, and help the kids further their journey and their careers in life. So it's been a great uh, 12 months, uh, 18 months, sorry, with these kids and uh, may that journey continue and uh, fulfil their dreams here at the Olympics. 
Yeah, well, it's something, you know, before this team was selected, I think a little, even a little while ago, you've said that you, were, you weren't interested in necessarily going the highest profile, uh, max out the overage players, where obviously we could have three. We don't have three. And also, it's not necessarily the highest profile underage as well. You've gone for the best because you really do care about joining those two together, like you say, the Oliroos to the Socceroos. Do you, does that feel like a bit of a personal mission for you to really get this game in Australia on track in that way and bring back, like you mentioned, the, the golden generation, which gets me excited because that's where your vision is. Yeah, look, and I truly believe that this generation uh, <clears throat> through this Olympics and after this Olympics will be another golden generation because we really do have great talent. They, they just need and have needed an opportunity this year in the A-League uh, due to the COVID, you know, with the restriction of the salary cap, uh, forced clubs to play the younger kids and the younger kids are really with a shining light of the season this season uh, in the A-League. So <clears throat> the next step for them is obviously with the national teams and the junior national teams, but with the Olympic team, it's, uh, you know, as I said, it's a next step for them uh, going forward. But I, I just really felt that, <clears throat> and it was a difficult uh, process, Mel, to select the squad because uh, we contacted nearly every uh, overage players club, every Socceroo, but I had to look at as well the, the two sides of the Socceroos and the Oliroos, bringing three Socceroos here to the Olympics with the way it is here in a training bubble whether that would burn out those three players for further down the track with Socceroos qualifiers, World Cup qualifiers. So I had to make sure that those players were <clears throat> also looked after. But uh, as I said, it was a difficult process selecting the squad, but uh, it's, one, it's a squad that I'm very, very happy with. Yeah, Mitchell Duke, for example, the overage striker, I noticed um, during the World Cup qualifiers, you obviously, I don't know if you'd already had in your head that he was going to be an Oliroo, but he's been a part, I didn't realise till I saw his post, I know he's been apart from his English wife and, and kids who's in England, but I didn't realise it had been nearly a year. So I guess, I know that's part of your man management style to look after that kind of thing and the player's well-being, but so did you release him so he could go and spend some time so he could come back here? Yeah, look, after the third game and we'd qualified, I let him go home early to spend, you know, a few weeks with his uh, his wife and his newborn that he hadn't seen uh, because he was due back in Saudi Arabia where he had to start off pre-season with his club. We reached out to his club. So we're replacing his, uh, with the Olympics, we're replacing his pre-season in uh, with, with his club at Saudi Arabia. But I, <clears throat> I just felt that it was such a... You know, big thing for him to be able to go home and see his kids and, and see his wife. It's, it, it had been a full year and uh, I had a couple of other players with the same issues in selecting the soccer squad for Q8 <clears throat> around the fact that uh, their wives were pregnant and they didn't want to be away from their wives mm. and that while uh, and be in a bubble over in Q8. So everyone has their own rights or own journey in life and uh, have their own rights to make their, their decisions and I would never hold a grudge against that decision because uh, the most important thing for me in life is family and if family's number one then uh, normally the player is uh, you get you get out of the player what's required. Yeah I found it interesting obviously um, people assume that athletes are entitled and when they've been asked in different codes in Australia we've seen to, to go in different bubbles um, to see out the season and I, I suppose it's not the most sympathetic reaction if if a player has a problem but I noticed um, you know when we saw the end of was it last year's grand final and there were some tears 
from some Sydney FC players because they couldn't wait to go, some of them overseas, McGowan, for example, back overseas to see their families because they literally are sacrificing um, not just two weeks of quarantine or a couple of weeks. They're, you know, their families are on the other side of the world so they can be supported. So these are massive sacrifices. Mel, the sacrifice everyone is making is massive and I think that uh, a lot of people back at home don't realise the commitment that the players make and, and the staff make uh, to, you know, to do this job or to be here still because, you know, the players are spending, a, a, you know, a lot of time away from their families and, you know, for us <coughs> Australians going home, having to spend 14 days in quarantine is, is really tough on the staff and we've had two massive resignations from the organisation, from staff members that have uh, been in the industry for a long time and have been great at their job, mainly because of the fact that they don't want to be away from their wife and their kids as, as much as what they used to and having to go home and quarantine for 14 days. So, you know, now, now a normal window for us for World Cup is, is 14 days, now it's 28. So it makes it really tough when you've got to do three months in a row. Yeah, it's a big ask. What about yourself? I know you, you would never complain or anything, but you, it's a bit of an unknown, isn't it? How far away you're, how, sorry, how long you're going to be away from home for that very reason, because of the different, you know, um, socceroos, ollieroos, socceroos, and you weigh up whether you come back for quarantine or not. Yeah, look, Mel, it's, uh, I made this commitment to do this job for the Olympics uh, and for the boys. And honestly, this, uh, <clears throat> I'm just enjoying this. It's, I, I don't feel like this is a job for me. My, so my job really is the soccerers. I just want to enjoy every moment of this with the Olympics and help these kids. But look, it's, uh, it's not easy on my wife and my kids. You know, the, I have to be honest, it's, <clears throat> you know, being, I've been away already for two months. I can't even tell them when I'm coming home because after the Olympics, if I come home and I've got to go into quarantine for 14 days, then I'm home for three days before I have to, three or four days before I have to go away again in the, August, uh, the end of August window for the two World Cup qualifiers against China and, and uh, Vietnam. You know, so it's, it's uh, you know, and it's the same for October, November. So it's either I'm away for three months or six months. And, uh, you know, it, it would be so helpful if uh, the 14 day quarantine somehow could be changed for, I'm just saying, for people that have been vaccined, tested and vaccined and uh, we may be able to self-isolate at home and uh, enjoy life with their families. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, you've been tested most days, I know. Yeah, hopefully that is a rapidly changing situation because I think we're all acknowledging that it has to change soon. You've, uh, you've touched on mentioning your wife, your beautiful wife, Sarah. Is she doing it that tough without you? Because I've seen a few photos of a beautiful little puppy. Yeah, you know, the day I left, she bought a dog. So <laughs> <laughs> she replaced me with a dog, so she's very happy at the moment. Is it Barry? Is that, is that <clears> Yeah, Barry. Yeah. Best name yeah. as well. <laughs> Little British bulldog. Oh, well, that's yeah, something. It was, my dad's, it was my dad's name. 
Oh, really? So we may, yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> he looks as grumpy as he was as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say, no, I, I, yeah, anyway, I just think it's awesome. And um, I'm sure you can't wait to meet Barry as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, well, obviously yeah, your wife and kids will be cheering you on from home. And I know they are, I know for a fact they are so proud. Um, just getting back to the Oli Roos and some of the players, we talked about Mitch Duke. Obviously, you would have been asked a bit about Daniel Arzani. I know he gets asked about a lot because there was so much buzz around him and then his journey wasn't exactly exactly what would have been ideal. But uh, what's excited you about him to include him in this squad? Well, look, Mel, I'll be honest. It's, uh, it's an opportunity for us to resurrect his career um, because <clears throat> the last three years, it, it, it hasn't gone the way Daniel wanted to. Obviously, he left uh, you know, Australia after Russia, went to Celtic. Uh, he played 45 minutes there, had, did an ACL injury. <clears throat> wasn't working out for him there at Celtic. He then went to Holland where it didn't work out, and there he's been to Denmark where it hasn't worked out again. So for me, we all know the talent that Daniel has, and it's all about getting the best out of Daniel, and uh, bringing him to these type of tournaments, again, is something that inspires him, but it's, it's, it's more about <clears throat> you know, helping Daniel with his career and, and really helping him in a way that uh, he believes in himself, because you know, I think there was a lot of expectation put on him. I know that the kid probably knows that he can deal with that but at sometimes it's it's you know with those expectations it, it can put a, a, a fair bit of pressure on the kid but uh overall he's got wonderful talent and uh i expect that we get the best out of him here yeah no doubt what about um because this chat obviously is going to maybe not necessarily all football type people so they may not have heard of, of everyone harry Souter when he does a maybe a man of the match interview at the end and has a really thick scottish accent uh, give us the background to him no, look, it was, uh, you know, I, I, I reached out to a number of people in the UK and <clears throat> when I first took over the job to see if there was any any players in the championship or in Scotland and that that had, you know, um, Australian grandparents or parent, uh, grandparents that, uh, that had moved to Australia and got Australian passports or, you know, their father or mother uh, was, was Australian and... Adam Federici was the one who reached out to me where Harry was at Stoke City in the reserve team. Adam Federici was at Stoke and he, and he said, I've got a kid here that uh, his um, grand, grandmother has got an Australian passport. And I said, wow, OK. And he said, mate, he's six foot seven, centre back, he's, he's, he's unreal. He'll end up in the English Premier League. This was two years ago and, uh, and that's how we found him. And we, bought, we invited him into camp in Cambodia for the first phase of the Olympic qualifiers. He was so excited to come, <clears throat> and uh, he's a very, very proud Australian, Mel. He's, uh, he's got, a, uh, as you said, a, a real Scottish accent, but, uh, you know, he, he's very proud of Australia. He told me he, he grew up, <clears throat> obviously, in Scotland, and he had posters on his wall, and all the posters on his wall were Socceroo players. So <laughs> his dream was always to play for the Socceroos, and he's done that. His brother has played for Scotland, and... Uh, and he's, uh, he always says to his brother, well, I'm at the Olympics, I'm going to a World Cup, where's Scotland been? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great story. I actually, I, I listened to an interview of his um, in camp and, uh, well, for that matter, other players as well. And they all, what struck me is their initial response to being asked about, you know, team selection and everything. Almost every single one, including Harry, all of them said, myself and my family, we're all so excited. My family, you know, the family was included in the, you know, their first thoughts. And I've, I'm, I'm sure that's a lot to do with, I know you're big on the family culture and the culture in general, a very positive culture in camp but it just really struck me a bunch of young guys just you know thinking of their family first yeah look Mel I think uh, 
you know, when you sit, when you're with the kids and, and in this type of environment, and you, you're basically the staff take over being parents for the kids, you know, for the time that they're in, in the camp and the players become their, their brothers. And, and, you know, so that's, that's the only way you can have success is, <clears throat> is a family culture that, that work together, great mateship, the, uh, the kids are prepared to fight for each other on, on the field. They enjoy off the field, like I can hear them now uh, in the room, in the meal room there, playing table tennis and, and that, and they're laughing. And, and that's the most important thing is, for me, the national team is, is the icing on the cake. The ingredients of the cake is in, in club land. Uh, that's where you get paid. That's where you do all your work. <clears throat> when you come to play for the national team, it's something that's very, very special and not many people get to do. And when you look at the Socceroos, there's only 612, 613 people in 100 years that have played for the Socceroos. Now, in the Ollyroos, at this moment, I do believe there's something like around 84, 86 Ollyroo players that have ever taken the, uh, taken the field. So it just shows you how special it is to be in the position that the, the players are in to be able to do that. And when you get that honour, that's something marvellous that you can share with your family because, as I said, not many people get to do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, we know how passionate you are about yeah, the, the youth of Australian footballers and, and making it to that top level. And you're so passionate about the A-League and, and advertising, just all the positives there as well. How excited are you? I know there's a pretty good stat out there um, about putting these players in the type of shot window they're about to be in on an Olympic stage and, and the amount of Ollyroos that have gone on and have really got recognition and maybe been picked up by a major club as a result of top performances. Yeah, look, Mel, I think uh, it goes something like uh, uh, 56 players out of 65. 65 players, uh, sorry, went on to play for the Socceroos and 56 of them went abroad, uh, uh, went overseas after the Olympics. So it's a, a big stat and it just shows you how important it is. And <clears throat> I, am, I would imagine, and I'm 99% I'm sure, every agent will be watching these games, every player agent, every club throughout Europe and everywhere we'll be watching our games and and you know to again to be put on the world stage at a great age we've got a lot of 21 year olds 22 year olds here kids that uh, are doing very well in the A-League you know you'll see a big difference in in players like Riley McGree, Harry Sutter and that boys who who have played a lot of match minutes this year and 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 have a lot of experience in the championship in England and, uh, you know, the boys will be doing a fantastic job. And, and as I said, but the first thing it is for them is obviously is, is the nation and playing for this badge and to be an Olympic player. And Ollie Roo is such a special thing. And if, if I could have shown you photos of just the boys walking into luncheon for the first time ever in their lives, obviously wearing this outfit, it was quite, quite moving. And uh, I'm getting goosebumps now talking about it because... <laughs> It is such a special moment for the kids and I'm pretty sure they won't take this off all day. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. 
Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I get the impression everyone feels 10 foot tall as soon as they receive that uniform and get to put it on. I know you're a, a, you're a glass half full person anyway. You've called your group the group of dreams while others have called it the group of death. And I love your style. That's so you. But um, so, for example, we're talking about Spain and Argentina and, and Egypt. But when you watch the Euros and you saw, I don't know, a teenager by the name of Pedri, did you get maybe one little, just even a bad dream? Over that, I'm sure you're probably just excited by it, but it was the whole world can't get enough of this kid. Well, Mel, what we've done straight away is uh, we've removed all the names of the teams. Because oh, okay. Because all those teams have uh, great history. They have a great brand, but I'm 99% sure if I put 11 yellow bibs on our, sh- on, on our boys and put red bibs on the other team with no logo, no branding, 11 v 11, we will win the game. So we don't mention the opposition's name anymore. It's more about the opponent. We play an opponent in, uh, on the 22nd of uh, July. We will be ready to play them and just making sure that we focus on ourselves, get ourselves ready and get ourselves right and be prepared for the game one game at a time. And as I said, it's uh, obviously an honour and we do respect those countries enormously, but this is about us, and you know, if you keep on, men- if we keep on mentioning here, for example, the Argentines, the Argentines, the Argentines, well, then everyone thinks Messi, Maradona, and their successful country as a team. But we're not playing against them. We're playing against a, a group of players that are human beings, and as I said, we have a lot of respect for them. But uh, we don't want the, we don't want to walk down the tunnel. One nil down because of their shirt. Mm. Straight away, we are playing as eleven human beings, and we go out in the field expecting to win every game. Yeah, I'd never back against you and your team to not come out and have the quality, of course, and the fighting spirit as well. What are you expecting with regards to these? You know, they are major footballing nations, and you've lived and breathed this yourself. For example, as a player in the past. Is complacency ever a thing against Australia? Do you ever find that? Have you ever seen that in the approach or in the eyes of, of an opposition team or, or player because they don't understand the spirit as well as the ability of the Aussies? That'll be, that'll be their mistake if they do, Mel, because our boys will have energy galore. You know, that's one thing that uh, we've been able to spend now three weeks together. Those type of nations are turning up on the 15th or 16th of this month and they'll, they'll be basically walking straight into the first game. So we would have had three weeks preparation. We would have had time to gel the family together, on field, the tactics, the game plan, and then the energy will come through uh, with, with the Australian way, the Australian fighting spirit. And I expect us to shock the world. That's what I keep saying to the boys is, you know, people can underestimate us. People can look at us. <clears throat> we have great talent in this squad. It's about getting the best out of that talent. Yeah, I just really want to reiterate that line that uh, in case anyone missed it, your, your message is we can shock the world. Absolutely, we will. Just sit back and watch. <laughs> what about your history or, you know, your history as an Olympian? Do you have a particular um, fond memory or favourite Olympic memory as a player? Oh, as a player, 1988, South Korea. Obviously, we got to the quarterfinals. We got smashed by Russia <laughs> in the quarters. But, uh, 
yeah, we got through a, a, a tough group. We beat uh, Yugoslavia 1-0. And uh, those days, you know, it was a mixture of the Croatians, the Serbians, uh, and it was a very, very, very strong team. And uh, we beat them. But, uh, yeah, one, a couple of special moments at the Olympics was at the Olympic Village Melt. And going into the food hall, I remember one time, went into the food hall after we'd been knocked out. It was about four o'clock in the morning. And... Uh, when, and in the food hall, in, in, uh, there was a McDonald's, and uh, this was, I think, was 2004 in Athens, and uh, I had breakfast at McDonald's with Kobe Bryant. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, of course you, you did, know, as you, you do. And then I've had other times where I was sitting beside uh, Steffi Graf one time, and Roger Federer was in there. And it's just amazing when you see those type of athletes, and they're in the village, and the Olympic village is such a special time, special moments, and... Uh, but, uh, you know, you've got some always great memories of, of the Olympics, and I expect, that's what I said to the boys here, you've really got to appreciate where you are today and, and what, what you're going into and who you're going to be and the amount of people that would love to be here doing this is untold. So enjoy it, work hard, but enjoy it. Okay, I really took everything you just said on board, but I have to just quickly go back to the, those three you mentioned. So... You and Kobe Bryant, did you have a chat when you're having Maccas? Yeah, of course. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, said, well, I said, I thought we were professional sportsmen sitting here eating McDonald's. <laughs> but he was, uh, he was great. No, we just had a conversation. I can't really remember 100% what it was about. But another time I come home late, uh, 1988, after, the, after we'd been knocked out, and I was standing there watching the Van der Holyfield train. Wow. Boxing in the morning, you know. I'm sure he thought the shadow, same thing. I'm sure shadow Kobe... boxing and that and watching yeah, him. Yeah. I said, oh, what's your name? Evander Holyfield. Oh, OK. Oh. Any good? And he said, oh, I'm fighting for a gold medal. <laughs> Next thing, wow. he's a world champion. <laughs> I'm sure Kobe ran off and said, I just had um, Maccas with Arnie as well, no doubt about it. What, no, what about Steffi so. Graf? I have to ask because I love her. What, what was that like? Uh, it, Fantastic. And, and look, you don't really, I didn't really speak to her, but I was sitting net, you know, right next to her, Nelly. But, you know, and seeing all those type of athletes in the village, as I said, was, mm. was incredible. And, you know, Luke Longley, you know, Australian uh, stars that uh, Ian Thorpe, you know, and all them, it's, it's just great. And, you know, when you, when you get to that stage, you're all Australian and everyone gets on with each other. Mm. It, was, it was brilliant. Yeah, I know it's going to be hard this time, obviously, for many reasons, COVID-related, but um, will you find time to keep an eye on, you mentioned Luke Longy, for example, what the boomers are doing, for example. Will you, will you be able to, to check in? Oh, for sure. Look, um, we will have uh, every day in, the, in, in, in our hotel, you know, up on a big screen, all the Australian events, especially the opening ceremony. So we, you know, we'll, we'll do something to make the boys feel part of it. And, uh you know, we can't wait for the suit presentation on the 18th of uh, this, this month uh, in July when, when the boys get presented with their Olympic suits and we'll make a special moment of that for the boys as well with a presentation. So, you know, it's going to be a different Olympics, obviously, but uh, we will make it special for the players. No doubt. What's your message to people back home to, well, it won't just be football fans because everyone gets on board, but just to um, fans in Australia who are, you know, about to watch the Oliroos football campaign? Yeah, look, uh, obviously get behind us, but uh, enjoy it because uh, I truly do believe that these kids are going to do something special. You'll be very, very proud of, no doubt, of their energy and their input. They'll be fighting for every ball, every minute of the day. And as I said, we're really looking forward to it. 
Beautiful. I think we'll leave it at that because that's a perfect way to wrap things up. But you've certainly got everyone excited and a fair few goosebumps as well from uh, your description. So thanks very much, Arnie. Best of luck. Okay, Mel. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to hear more incredible stories from our athletes going for gold at the Tokyo 2020 Games. You can see full coverage of the Tokyo 2020 Olympic and Paralympic Games on 7 and 7+. Plus.